Welcome to another segment of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. I go by Brent Spirit, and today's episode is a compilation of a series of questions and answers all about the Kundalini process. These segments were originally recorded with permission during my free Kundalini Q&A meetings held on Zoom. Visit brentspirit.com slash kundaliniqa to find out about how you can join the next time. I'd love to have you. I'm hosting these meetings because I know how confusing and lonely this journey can be. I want to offer you a chance to get some support without a huge commitment. Just drop by. I've been blown away by the response, with 25 people joining our last meeting. I was honestly expecting maybe one or two. Thank you all for your ongoing support for me and this work, and for your commitment to your own awakening journey. In this episode, between segments, you'll hear a cheesy meditative bell sound effect to let you know that we're shifting topics and on to the next question. Please do me a favor and give the show a rating on Spotify. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It helps me to get this work out there for more people that are in need. Now, let's dive into this Q&A compilation. Enjoy. In this segment, we'll be discussing whether we can turn Kundalini off and go back to normal. I'll get right to your question there. You know, how can you return back to normal? How can you close your chakras and make this all go away? Um, <clears throat> the genie's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been released from the lamp, right? The volcano's erupted. Um, so now we have to see this process through. Um, it's similarly to, uh, you know, a, a young person going through puberty, they can say, I don't want this. I, I want to turn back. But this is part of the evolution of your of your consciousness, of, of your your soul. Um, and so it's uh, this is the trajectory that life is moving. Difficult, yes, difficult. Um, but rather than trying to shut it down or go backwards, we can learn how to cooperate with the process and move forward. So um, you mentioned grounding. Um, grounding is important. Uh, to bring energetic balance across the entire system. Sometimes grounding is spoken about as if it's to like completely turn this process off. I like to say, no, no, grounding is just bring energetic balance across the entire system to allow this process to carry itself out without being so challenging and so difficult. Um, so what you can do is just bring some awareness to your body. You mentioned, you know, neck pain, third eye, vertigo, there's a lot of stuff going on in the head. So you can balance it out by bringing some attention to your body, the chakras in your body, which extend all the way down to the soles of your feet. There's chakras throughout the entire body. Um, and so exercise, eating well, avoiding any, any breath work, pranayama, any sort of meditations that have to do with the third eye, the head, avoiding also trying to manipulate the energy, shut it down, draw it down, You know, none of that. Just cooperating with the process and doing very basic things for self-care of the body, going for walks, um, working with your hands, um, gentle meditation on the feet, on the legs. These things can really help. But for the most part, what really help is understanding that this is now what you have to deal with in your life and adapting around this. So it means, yes, maybe you didn't ask for it, but I think many people here would agree that there are great blessings. You know, We just had David on speaking about you know, feeling incredible bliss in his body. 
Um, you know, we can have bliss on a regular basis if we if we continue through this process. We can experience, like you said, those expanded states of consciousness, deep love. We can heal. We can become, you know, aligned with our purpose, um, union with the divine, union with God. We can really know God directly. And so this is really what God is trying to awaken in you, to give you these experiences. Um, and so collaborating with the process, cooperating with it, understanding that, yes, you didn't ask for it, but this is what is happening now. And so uh, what can you do to cooperate with it? Surrendering as well. If you like to pray, if you have a personal relationship with God, you know, give it all up to God. Say, this is what you want from me. Okay, show me the way I'm listening. Inspire me, bring me the right tools. But uh, the idea of shutting it down is not, um, not uh, going to help in the long term. Now, just for the record here, I can speak. There is a way to shut this down temporarily. And many people find it inadvertently. And it's through substance abuse, particularly alcohol. Um, but of course, this leads to more problems than just going through with this process. Um, and I just share that because I want to be uh, uh, transparent. I don't want to say there isn't a way. There is a way, but it's not worth it. It's It just brings incredible difficulty. And I encounter people that... Um, you know, just don't know what to do. And so they, you know, for whatever reason, end up uh, with addiction. And it is very, very difficult. Um, so just uh, surrender. This is what God has uh, chosen for your destiny. Surrender. It will all work out. In this segment, we'll be discussing what to expect when Kundalini reaches the head. Lucy says, I've been having a gentle kundalini rising for about two years, and now I can feel the energy in my head. What can I expect next? Any advice? Great. Great. Well, it's nice to hear that it's uh, it's made it up to your head, Lucy. Um, what can you expect next? So typically when the energy makes its way into the head, this is where we begin to have these, what we would call shifts in perception. Um shifts in the way that we understand ourselves and our relationship to the rest of the world. Uh, so states of oneness, deep states of meditation, feeling interconnected to all that is. Um, these are the, the phenomena and the shifts that can happen once the energy reaches the head. Um, they don't necessarily have to be stable, <clears throat> meaning you may have one experience where, you know, you look around and everything is one and it's like, okay, you know, some, some significant stuff is happening up in my head, but then the next day or the next moment, even, um, you know, you may not feel this deep interconnectedness. Eventually it becomes a little bit more stable as uh, we move forward. Um, we can also begin to experience, um, if it's in the cards for us, some, some interesting psychic phenomena, uh, healing gifts, um, what we may call Siddhis, um, into heightened intuition, heightened creativity, um, all the cerebral, intellectual, mind-based stuff can start to happen once you reach the head. Um, we may also experience um, more traditionally, I haven't experienced this myself, it's not for everybody, but some experience quite literally like what they would describe as a lotus blooming at the top of their head, uh, which is of course the thousand petal lotus. We see that in, you know, um, depictions in Buddhism. There's these individual petals in the in the head, actually, which are like these sort of um, energetic kind of chakra type things, the petals. Um, they associate that with, you know, each petal has a different um, skill or, or uh, ability or something like that. 
don't want to get too much into these types of uh, skills and abilities and things because they can get a little bit uh, sticky and, and cause some 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 trouble. But um, these things can happen. Uh, you may also no longer, once it really reaches the top of your head and stabilizes, you may not be able to feel the top of your head anymore. It's almost like it's been blasted open. So I, can, I can't really feel the top of my head. It's kind of like it's been chopped off. If I touch it, yeah, but generally it's kind of just like open. Um, that can happen. Any advice for when the energy reaches up in the head? Now, this is where it gets a little tricky is because many people can become ungrounded uh, as the energy moves into the head. So when I say ungrounded, I refer to unbalanced. And so what I like to say is we can kind of become like a bobblehead, you know, those little figurines with the huge head just bobbling. It's kind of like that. So much energy up in the head and it, we can sometimes quite literally be shaking and bobbling, but we also have that type of feeling as we move through the world of like bouncing around, like anxiety, um, sort of like we can't hold our attention, racing thoughts, uh, sort of what we may call mania or manic, um, very ungrounded. So how do we manage that? The intention isn't to drain the energy from the head because we do want some of the benefits of having the energy up in the head. Like I described, you do want to feel these expansive states, but we want to also feel balanced. So we ground ourselves through bringing attention to the body, moving in the body, exercise, eating well, um, practical thing you can do. Everybody can do is very safe. You could just put the tip of your tongue up to the roof of your mouth, just behind the two front teeth. So that closes the energetic channel between the top of the head and the energy can flow into the neck and down. You may perceive it if you're sensitive, you may not, but it's just a good practice to have. And you can do it almost all the time. You can train yourself to just keep your tongue up there. Um, remembering our feet. Sometimes when we get a little bit too much energy up in the head, we can um, think that it's all about the head. And we, I, I would invite people to remember, you know, your feet are as spiritual as the head. So we bring attention to the rest of the body. But um, in time, this will all balance itself out. You may have some challenges along the way, but it'll balance itself out. In this segment, we'll be exploring the idea of coming to a point where you feel grateful for the Kundalini awakening process, despite it being difficult at times. Anything you could say, because I've only, this started for me like four months ago, and the first month was really intense and then things stabilize but now I'm going through another wave where I'm okay you know I'm stable but uh I feel like you know this uh kundalini has taken a, a wrecking ball to my my ego my life my you know I'm gonna be somebody new but it just feels sometimes very difficult and intense and sometimes it's it's amazing and uh you know life-changing insights and but um like i had a very rough night last night I feel fear coming out and i don't know just anything you might say about this process because it does feel like it's destroying the person i was and I, anyway i think you got the idea of the question uh, i hope oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, I haven't heard it described that way, but I think that's a very apt description. It's like it's taking a wrecking ball to the ego. Um, not an easy thing to survive or to go through, not at all. And I think everybody here can relate on some level to the um, what we what we can say within this contest, the destructive nature of this process. It 
comes and absolutely destroys the things that are in the way of us, uh, you know, living our, our fullest potential and living in connection with the, the divine. Um, and that's not an easy thing to go through. Um, so I can say it's not unusual. I mean, this is, this is, this is how it goes. You know, we do, we get destroyed. Um, um, for some it's gentle, for some it's a little intense, for some it's intense for short periods. Like you said, last night, it was pretty intense. Um, you know, we do have these nights where it's just, it's hammering away. Um, so what I would suggest, and this I say to almost everybody, because it's probably the number one thing I can give is do everything you can to make the shift from victimhood to a state of empowerment. This is like you have something in the way of like, say it's kind of like maybe you have a tumor. You go to a surgeon and they're going to cut you open to remove the tumor, but you're not a victim of that process. You're not a victim of the surgery. This is what happens. And so if you can make that shift and recognize what God is doing to you and surrendering and trusting and saying, well, this is what you want for me. Okay, then so be it. This process is the same process that the caterpillar goes into in the cocoon to become the butterfly. If you look at what happens, it melts. The caterpillar completely melts into like a liquid and is then reformed into the butterfly. The wrecking ball will break down everything in the way of you embodying your divine nature. It's not easy process. Um, I see you have the, a crucifix behind you. That is, that is a symbol of the crucifix. This is what it represents. God, Jesus was crucified on the cross. He died. It was a death. The wrecking ball got him. And then he was you know, reconfigured or whatever remains was God. And that's when he came back and said, now I'm, you know, seated at the right hand of the father. That's the journey. The Buddha went through it too under the Bodhi tree. So when you have those nights where they're difficult or the meditation sessions or those days, you can understand that metaphorically you're on their cross, you're under the Bodhi tree, you're in your cocoon. And so if you understand that you can shift out of victimhood, but Hey, if you want to feel like a victim, that's fine too, because that's, what's also being burned up. A major part of our ego is, woe is me. Everything sucks. Why did this happen to me? You know, that's part of it too. That's also being brought up to be processed. Um, so you've come this far, you understand, you know, you found this community and, and you, you, you know, you got the word Kundalini and, and there's so many people that you can see that are going through this. Um, so you just write it out. I've been through there through similar stages myself. Um, Difficult, difficult. I understand. It's not easy. And that's why I'm doing this work to, here to, to just reassure. But uh, the wrecking ball is making space for, you know, maybe an, a new skyscraper to come forth, you could say. How does that sound? Good, good. Yeah, no, I don't really feel like a victim. I'm very happy this happened. Good. It's just been very intense in certain moments. And uh, yeah, and... That's all. Maybe right now, you know, it's one of those moments because I went through, you know, weeks and weeks that I didn't I didn't have the intense stuff, but I've had a lot of trauma in the past. Mm -hmm. I know how to deal with it. And I've been and I've been dealing with it before this happened a lot. And uh, so I know how to deal with it. Thank yeah. God. If not, this would have I don't know what it would have done. I think, you know, it can really mess a person up if they're not ready for it but um yeah it's just a matter of keeping going I guess and uh yeah um but I'm very grateful I mean it's right. yeah 
Good. Yeah. So you said you, you've got, uh, you, you know how to manage it and that's key. Some sort of practices, uh, approaches, modalities, whatever it is, as long as we're doing uh, our part to um, to support ourselves through this process. Sounds like you've got that under control. So great. You said there was a second part to your question or another question? Oh, well, if you want me to ask it, uh, I guess ahead. I'm curious because you're in touch with a lot of people who've gone through this. And um, are you seeing a pattern like it's increasing? Like there are a lot of people, do you feel that this is, uh, you know, a mass awakening? I guess I'm interested in hearing, you know, your view on that because you have an over more of an overview than me, that's for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, look at how many people are here. This is, this is mind blowing to me. Um, there's something very significant happening. I would actually say within the past like month, something just sped up. Maybe others here have felt it, but the past month has been a, a major shift. I see many people nodding. Um, I'm blown away. I honestly, I thought maybe, you know, two people would be here. Um, this is incredible. And, and, just by looking around, we see other people are going through this. We're not alone. We're not going crazy. Um, and uh, I think this is this is even just the beginning. So yes, it's happening very quickly. Um, people, unsuspecting people, people who have no relationship to any of spirituality or anything, and they're going through this too. And so um, I think I invite all of us, when we feel ready, share in some capacity or another. I don't mean writing a book or anything, but just be open so that others can find some breadcrumbs because it's uh, it's happening very, very quickly for all of us. Great. Thanks. Thank you for your questions. Thank you so much. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini awakening and how to navigate when considering your career and purpose. Right, right. Okay. So fellows speaking about um, my work as a photographer. So after this awakening, Kundalini awakening, um, I was like a hippie. I didn't have any direction in life, no job, no career, nothing. And um, I felt this creative urge coming online, really feeling inspired creative, creatively. Um, and so I picked up a camera and I just started pointing it around. Um, it was almost like I was channeling, like something would direct my my gaze and I would click. And it was like I was in a trance. And when I would go home, I'd look at the picture and say, like, I don't remember even taking these pictures. And, um, it was, it was like something was, was sort of, I was in the flow it was, and I loved it. I really loved it. And I wasn't even the greatest photographer. Most of the pictures were, weren't that good, but once in a while, there'd be an amazing one. Um, and, and so I just really loved it. Um, and then from there, so I can speak within the context of Kundalini. So I was doing this, this photography thing. So as we know, for many of us, the Kundalini is, uh, you know, it's the divine mothers, the divine feminine. Um, and Many of us have had encounters with what we may say a goddess. A goddess may appear to us in a dream, a vision, a meditation, and there's some sort of healing, there's some sort of message. It's very, very common. Not for everybody, but it's very common. That's Shakti, that's the goddess. So I would have these dreams around this time where I would be in an elevator. And I probably had 30, 40 of these dreams where I'm riding up in this elevator. Uh, I understood it to be that this is the energy moving up my spinal column. My spinal column was the energy shaft, was the elevator shaft, and I'm rising, I'm rising. So I'd be in this elevator. Sometimes I would get off at the penthouse and there would be, um, you know, like these, these uh, the very radiant uh, people there to meet me. Anyway, in one of these uh, elevators, I'm in this very fancy hotel and there's a radiant, beautiful woman there. 
And uh, I'm a guest at this hotel. And so is she. And she uh, hands me a camera and says, oh, can you take my picture? So I say, okay, you know, like the same way that you might take somebody's picture at like, you know, Niagara Falls or something, a stranger, right? You take a picture for them. So I took a picture, give her back the camera and she hands me like $5. And I think like, no, no, like I don't work here. Like I don't need any tip or anything. I'm just a guest, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to accept your tip. And she insisted, she said, no, like take this. I said, okay. So when I woke up, I, I felt like, okay, that was the divine mother. That was the goddess. Maybe this is some indication that I'm moving in the direct, direction I should, you know, maybe try and make some money from photography. I let it go. Just let it go. Sometimes it's just a dream. It's just a crazy dream, right? Sometime later, you know, the flow, things just start happening. You know, I started to photograph my dog and then I shared some of those photos with some friends on Facebook just for fun. And a friend said, hey, can you photograph my dog? And then she also just handed me some money after. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, like, but then I understood that this is how the 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 shakti the flow was was coaxing me towards this uh you know this profession you could say. So I just share that because many of us go through this like um you know our life falls apart or we recognize that where we were working is just no longer serving us. We've kind of reached what we had to reach in this place. What's next? What's next? It doesn't have to be something creative. It doesn't have to be. It could, sure, but there is something out there for you. And the goddess, if you open up to her, she will, like she invited me, she'll also invite you. She'll give you some, some breadcrumbs if you surrender and trust. So. In this segment, we'll be talking about kundalini awakening and sleep issues. Ivana's question here, similarly, she says um, she experienced a sensation like pulling out from the top of the head. The energy was so strong that you usually I would lose my consciousness and sleep for 16 hours and more. Is this something that is common during the process? Well, yeah, I mean, who's saying something similar happened to her, right? So it is. Um, it's, it's very interesting. It's easy to talk about when we have to sleep a lot. Of course, the body needs rest. This is very intense on the nervous system. Um, on on the emotional system, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to um, to go through emotions, right? The heart's racing, the muscles are tense. This is this takes energy. Um, similarly, or conversely, at times uh, the energy is working and it's not going to let us sleep. Um, perhaps um, the for whatever reason, something that I don't understand is that the work that it's doing it needs us to be awake and aware. Um, if we fall asleep, maybe we would, uh, you know, our brain goes into different brain states and it's not conducive to the work that the energy is trying to do. So that's one way of thinking about it. I suffered a lot from insomnia throughout my journey. Um, one thing it really brought me was surrender, surrender. Um, and I saw the sleep as like this, like nightly lesson of surrender, because of course to sleep, you have to surrender, right? We just surrender to the bed and go. And I saw this as a little metaphor, a little container for me to learn surrender and to say, well, okay, maybe God doesn't want me to sleep. And so what I would say was, okay, Shakti, Kundalini, Divine Mother, God, whatever. I got to work tomorrow. So I'm trusting you that you know that. Make it easy for me. Help me out. And either tomorrow I would show up and, uh, you know, there'd be a, a new trainee at work and that I would have to help. And then I got a hand. I, I can manage. Or 
something happens or whatever reason, something happens where I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I can survive. Um, so I think for me, the fear of not sleeping was worrying about the effects that I would deal with tomorrow, but you mm -hmm. got to give up tomorrow to God. Say, God, if you want me to be awake and go through this, I'm here. I trust you'll take care of me tomorrow. You're not going to, you know, make me go on a, a long haul truck ride and crash because I didn't sleep. You know what I mean? So I, I like to say that the Kundalini, the intelligence understands every aspect of our lives, including our work, our relationships, our contacts, what's in our bank account, all of that. It knows everything. All of it is part of the process. Um, but of course, uh, there are some things we can do. And I would say it's the same things that anybody with insomnia, we recommend that they do sleep hygiene, routine, cut the screens, um, figure out what's best to eat or not to eat and when before bed, um, all of that stuff that the average person would do white noise, um, meditation before bed. I, I know like, um, you know, sometimes, um, on retreats, monks and whatnot, they meditate, they meditate all night. There's a different quality of meditation that can happen all night. So if you recognize it's not going to be a sleep, I'm not sleeping tonight. It's a little retreat, 12 hour retreat, eight hour retreat. We meditate and, uh, we can turn it into a, a context for sadhana. So yeah. thank you so much, um, um, Sue, for your insights. I hope that's been helpful. In this segment, we'll be discussing the Kundalini Awakening journey and whether or not we need to be perfect in order to reach a state of integration. Hey, Colin. Hey, Brent. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? Good, good. Um, you know... There's one thing that always kind of bothers me along this path that's been bothering me. Um, when when I had symptoms start about three years ago, um, I noticed certain things physically, um, what I could eat, what I could drink, um, smoking cannabis, psychedelics, pretty much all these things. Gradually, my body started rejecting. I think the first thing was meats, like any animal, meat, chicken, beef, pork, anything like that. Like that tasted like flesh to me. Right. Started tasting revolting. Then it was alcohol, started tasting like poison. And it had very adverse effects. You know, there, there was no, there was no high anymore. It was just kind of a downer. Mm. Um it went on to, and eventually like, um, smoking weed just tasted like ash, um, kind of adverse effects, more just downer. So all these things kind of, you know, my body kind of just rejected them. And, um, I finally had to succumb to that, you know, over the past three years, gradually, some things, it was just like that, but, um, you know, is this changing us on a cellular level, this process? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so what you described is not uncommon, people to become sensitive to all sorts of things, uh, especially things that we put in our body, but also things we can consume um, in terms of media, being in certain places, being around certain people. So we become very sensitive, very sensitive. Um, in terms of whether the, the transformation is changing us on a cellular level, I can't say for sure. I suspect so, but um, if I make a if I make a statement like that, I feel like this opens us up in this community to the science people coming and saying, "Well, 
we can't find any uh, any cellular changes. So therefore, you're still crazy, right? Gotcha. Um, maybe in time we'll be able to note certain changes, but you know, if we can go more general, alcohol changes on a cellular level. Since all of these things do change us on a cellular level anyway, yeah. um, and so when the intelligence says no more of this, um, I think we see it. You know, I think in uh, one time my daddy he told me, you know, um, back home in, in in Pakistan, if you had some bad food because they don't have expiry, they didn't have expiry dates and whatnot. Yeah, you have some bad food and you're not sure. You know, you present it to a dog and a dog is able to say, "Nah, this is not good. It won't eat it." Because a dog has that intelligence. This is not something that I should put in my body. Most dogs, some will eat, you know, a balloon or something, right? But like it has this intelligence. We have this intelligence too, um, where we become very sensitive to things that don't serve us, drugs, alcohol, certain foods. Um, it's intuitive, intuitive. It's the same intelligence that we rely on when we, you know, you think of this idea of intuitive eating, mindful eating. The body knows what it needs and the body it's not separate from this intelligence of Kundalini. So I think it is, yeah, it's changing us on a cellular level through our intake in the same way that exercise changes us on a cellular level, drugs, alcohol, meditation, even as well. If you look at the, you know, the, the monks meditating, their brains look very different than the average person who's never meditated. So these things happen. You know, and, and another thing, it makes me very paranoid that if I don't do everything perfectly and I intake the wrong thing, if I watch the wrong thing on TV, if I, hang out with the wrong person if I pass judgment on somebody that this process will never fully integrate you know mm -hmm. I feel like I need to be you know perfect like like a saint for this process to actually fully integrate you know yeah so this is something many people feel as well I think it comes from uh you know like maybe maybe for everybody it could be different but the judeo-christian western model of like if you do bad you'll go to hell and you're a sinner yeah. And so now because we're dealing with, you know, God waking up within us, we feel like we got to, we got to get it right. Um, I don't think so. I think that this intelligence, Shakti, the divine mother is by default, it's, she's loving, compassionate, and she knows we don't always have like the best, healthiest food available to us. You may feel a little bad if you go to a friend's house and eat something that maybe is not right, but it's not the end of the world. There's the, the, the body during this process is very resilient and we can bounce back. Uh, perfection is, uh, I think that can lead to more harm than actually just being a little bit, uh, doing things in moderation because perfectionism can, you know, we, we beat ourselves up. There's great guilt. Um, when we relapse, sometimes people will they'll have a, a quote unquote relapse and it's like a full binge. Like they may say, I'll never drink alcohol ever again they have a sip and then they're binging or eating something or whatever it is. Um, whereas if we just approach it in moderation and just say, you can always get back on the path or you can always just, you know, get back on the bike and keep going. Like it, it's, it's very, there's a lot of grace here is what I mean to say. There's a lot of grace here. Personally, you know, I've done things that maybe were against what my body or the Kundalini wanted. And yet one thing that, you know, it could bring me to tears is that still, she continues to bless me. And that is like even my imperfect, sinner, lowly, egoic person here, still she comes and says, no, it's okay. Right. And so that's where like, we just can really allow the divine mother to hold us like her child. And we're going to make mistakes. We don't have to be perfect. We do our best. We do our best, but we don't have to be perfect. 
that's nice to hear. <laughs> and we see this a lot with um with with the uh if you, if you get close to any of these saints, sages, these great masters, you see they're just like, you know, they're regular people really. And I think there's a great teaching there. You see like, oh, they have flaws. You know, they complain about something sometimes. And I mean, I'm addicted to social media. You know, you might be like, oh, you know, you, I, you know I'm here teaching this group or whatever. And I'm also, I got my own addictions and things too. And still the Kundalini is not like, you know, she's not damning me to hell. And I don't think she wants that for any of us. I think it also keeps us relatable and real in our service work because I think for all of us, we go through this process to then be of service to others. Now, if you figure out how to be perfect and you try to be of service to others, it's an unrealistic aim and you're setting an unrealistic example and people can't relate with you and you're not going to help them anyway. So I think being human and saying, yeah, you know, I have a beer sometimes or, you know, I, I watch crap on TV and it's like, oh, you too. Oh, I can do that for myself too. Okay then people can hang out with you and we can grow together. So that's, that's my take on, on uh, th those types of, you know, moderation, no beating ourselves up. We do our best, but best doesn't mean perfect. So I hope that helps. Yeah, that's great. Brent. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini, Kriyas, also known as spontaneous movements and the importance of discipline when navigating these experiences. Yeah, hey, Brent. Uh, thanks for um, uh, holding this uh, this space for us all. I could, really, um, um, the previous um, speaker, Brent Moore, I could probably say word for word, it's pretty similar to what the experience I'm going through now um, in terms of the energy and kind of how it happened to me. And I was kind of clearing out kind of blockages on my chakras. I'm very in, in my throat chakra right now. And just had a question in terms of like um, some of the clearing work that's going on there. Um, for example, in the first five minutes that we were doing kind of the, the holding space, kind of silent meditation, when I go into those type of meditations, I, I really just kind of let loose with the Kundalini and it just starts moving my neck around. I just let the energy flow out, but I'm wondering if I should maybe be more disciplined or if that's more of an egoic desire to just maintain like a desire of like stillness and kind of maybe fight it in a, in a sense, but also work with it. And so maybe it's a, sort of like a partnership. I'm wondering if, uh, more of a more disciplined practice would help clear it quicker. Or if perhaps I should just continue to to work with it in terms of it seems to want to move my throat chakra, so you know let it let it happen. Just curious for your thoughts on that. Great, great question. Yes. So um, what I would say is, yes, we approach the process with discipline, but discipline doesn't mean sitting still. Discipline means creating regular and consistent space and containers for the energy to go wild. That's our discipline. So we sit regularly in meditation or we lie down in meditation or we walk or whatever it is, journal, whatever it is. We do that with some degree of consistency to allow whatever needs to come up to come up. And so that's the balance. We'd never want to um, try and fight what's happening here because it's not a problem. When when the, the, the energy wants to, you know, bob your head around and maybe kriya, spontaneous vocalizations, crying, smiling, whatever's coming up, this is what it's coming up to be to be released and expressed. And so if we are uh, trying to be still, we're, we're fighting it and, and it's just getting bottled up, building up the pressure. And what happens to most people is eventually it just explodes in like a, a way that they just can't control. And then what happens, and just speaking generally to the group here, is they end up having spontaneous kriyas when they're like at a restaurant, just trying to be normal. 
it's because they're not giving the disciplined container these they're not creating the disciplined uh containers of meditation of of just going in your room in solitude and allowing it to flow so then the energy says okay well you're not going to do that well it's going to happen and it's going to happen at uh you know maybe an inconvenient time so that's the way that we can uh, incorporate discipline nothing wrong with um letting the uh the divine mother, the divine feminine dance through you. So if we look at the, uh, the, if we look at it in terms of energy, masculine and feminine, we want to have balance. So the masculine creates structure with time, with space. It says, okay, before bed for one hour in my room, putting my phone away, nobody's going to bother me. Anything can happen here. The, and then the feminine can enter into that container and flow, but the feminine doesn't uh, overflow out of the container because the masculine is holding that space steady. So that's how we can find the balance between masculine and feminine and um, use it, use that, those dynamics to, uh, to go forward in our process. So I would say, I mean, this is real yoga. This is what all the yogis um, and mystics have been seeking. <clears throat> the awakening of the intelligence of God within their own body. And you've got it. So just let it flow. Just let it flow. Yeah. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini awakening, surrender, and letting go at your own pace. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of curious because I'm getting sometimes I'm getting surges of energy to the point where it's I'm stopping breathing. And I think I freak out a bit when it gets to that stage and I'm like not quite ready to surrender to that full flow of energy. Right, right. Okay, so um, there's no rush to surrender to it and you're not doing anything wrong. Um, from the higher perspective, the energy also knows uh, that you may are that you're it knows everything about us, I would say. So it knows that um, you know it's it's gonna take you to the edge and then you're not gonna surrender it. it's it's okay with that. It's gonna slowly coax you there over over time. Uh, one thing you can do is you can have a mantra, you know, I surrender, I trust, I let go. You know, I would hear um, you know, have your way with me, have your way with me. Like, this is what was coming to me. I would just say this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you kind of hang on to that mantra, it's like, it's like, just, just repeat it. And it can help you to, to move through any of those intense uh, periods. Um, but uh, no need to feel like, you know, guilty or bad. If you're like, Oh, I, I didn't let go that time. Oh man, I missed the mm -hmm. opportunity. No, no. Um, even in those experiences, work is still being done. Work is still being done. Um, maybe you've heard the saying, you know, you, you, you jump into the abyss and you'll find that it's a feather bed, all of this stuff. It's, it's really what, what, what it's, what it's, uh, what it's all about. It's all, uh, you know, it's, you're safe, you're safe, but you find that out at your own pace. In this segment, we'll be exploring Kundalini awakening as both an internal and external process and the implications of this understanding on the experience of getting triggered. Great, great question. Excellent. Yes. So I'll just quickly summarize your question to ensure that I got it right. You're asking, is this process solely internally or is there an external component that is happening in alignment with the internal process? Is that what you mean? Exactly, yes. Okay, great, yes. Yes. So this process involves all of reality, including ourselves, including the people we encounter, the situations we encounter, all of it, 
all of it is part of the process. Nothing is outside this process. There is only this process. Um, and, and that is a huge paradigm shift that I, I encourage everyone to see if they can make to recognize that nothing here is not coming to help you to evolve and transform and, and transform your consciousness. The Kundalini will draw certain people to us. We'll have certain conversations, certain, certain events will take place with them to either reveal the shifts that we've made and to enjoy those shifts. Speaking about you know great relationships, great times with people. Or to help us, they'll maybe trigger us to push our buttons to bring something up that we can't easily bring up ourselves alone in our room in meditation in order for it to be cleansed and healed and purified and addressed. Um, so yes, it can help us to address trauma in this way um, by, in some respects, now this is a very touchy thing, but some respects we may be re-traumatized to give us a fresh uh, context to process trauma from the past once and for all. So if, for example, I was bullied as a child, maybe it's too difficult for me to sit in my room and address the, the, the pain from the bullying during childhood. So maybe I'll go to a party today and somebody will just say, hey, Brent, you know, I don't like your shirt. And suddenly all those feelings from childhood will come up. And now I have to understand, I take space from that person. I put up a boundary and then I go take space in my room and, and I meditate with those feelings. In my view, once we've processed things, I don't see a reason for life to bring us unnecessary situations and people that will push our buttons. Difficult things still happen in life, but it's of a different flavor. We're able to flow around it and we don't see it as like something, we don't feel like it's like a, we're being victimized by it. Um, and so if we look at, you know, in the law of attraction, they talk about, you know, what's in your vibration? Are you vibrating, you know, certain frequencies and thoughts and beliefs? But if those thoughts are no longer in your vibration, you won't attract those situations to you. Um, and so, like you said, it can bring us the right books, the right teachers, the right uh, uh, people, scenarios to help us to, to move along. And so this is also, like, like Cosmo was saying, this is also why this process is happening at such an accelerated rate for so many people. In the past, if you wanted to go through an awakening and say you're in America 50 years ago, you would have to somehow find your way to India and then look for somebody to help you. There's other people, places in the world that you could go, but say India. Now I can look it up on YouTube. Not only is it on YouTube, it's also that... Um, 50 years ago, you may have had to go and meditate in a cave for 10 years in order to dig up all that stuff. Now, just, just go walk around, talk to your friends. They're going to push all your buttons. You don't have to go to the cave. They're going to help you to bring it all up. Uh, of course, we don't let people abuse us. We put up boundaries. We take space. We, we seek justice when we're abused. But the regular friction in, in everyday relationships, Ram Dass said, everything is grist for the mill everything can be used to process and help us to grow and evolve. So all of these scenarios, encounters. Be, yes. So we should be thankful for them from the bigger picture. Yes. Thank you that you have showed me that I have this trauma. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this Kundalini Q&A compilation. If you'd like to join us for the next meeting, you can visit brentspirit.com to find out more. I've also got some free courses there, as well as a flagship course called Grounded Spiritual Emergence and Integration. It's eight hours. I go really deep into some of the things that we've touched upon today. We 
cover a lot to do with finding safety in the body, with healing, with addressing some of the issues that we may have around energetic imbalance. And these are very common themes for those experiencing Kundalini Awakening. So you can check out that course, Grounded Spiritual Emergence and Integration. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram. I've got a free community if you'd like to make a post. You can send me an email as well, info at brentspirit.com. You can also send me a message on Instagram. If you have any questions about your spiritual awakening process, I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as I can. But of course, I've made these meetings here on Zoom, the Kundalini Q&A meetings, to make it more efficient so that we can all meet together, share, relate, ask questions, get some support. And then I can use the clips for content here to spread the word because more and more people are going through this. And it's a pretty challenging ride. I'm sure you've figured that out by now. But anyway, thank you so much. And until next time, much love and peace. Mm -hmm.